Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Treehouse, episode nine, dot dash, dot dash, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Hooray! Happy New Year, Happy everybody. Happy New Year! Uh, uh, and I genuinely mean this. I am... Um, uh, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Uh, uh, oh, yes, uh, that I've missed actually doing the show. I've, uh, oh, I do. I, 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 I don't often become abashed or unabashed. Abashed, that's a word, right? Yes. I'm abashed. OK, but, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I'm walking Must be related today. to bashful. Bash Street. Oh, uh, how many Bash Street kids? How many Bash Street kids can you name? Plug. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it. Smithy. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, 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 Smithy. Uh, uh, Danny. Smithy. The one, one was who called had Danny. The... Smithy had the uh, the, the jumper, jumper over, over there. Face. I once broadcast an entire show like that. I did. I had a, I had a small roll neck jumper on, and uh, not a style I'm given to. And no. at, the, at the beginning of it, I pulled it up over my nose. Uh, I can't remember who uh, uh, was opposite me at the time. Might have been dear old Alice many years ago. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm Smithy from the Bash Street Kids. And meant nothing to her, as it wouldn't. And, oh, no, of uh, and, uh, and I um, continued to broadcast like it. And people came <laughs> in and out and thought, well, the old fella's finally gone, the old boy. And welcome, everybody. We haven't got time to talk about Bash Street Kids. No. Because uh, we have plenty on the agenda. Welcome aboard. Uh, what are the subjects there, uh, uh, Peps? Number one, what famous people have said to you in dreams. Got some Peps on that, real belters. Number two, having to lie about your age. Number three, prizes you won but didn't want. Mm-hmm. Number four, it happened in the bath. Mm. Number five, going through the wrong door. And number six, a January favourite, returning gifts. Returning gifts. We'll get round to all of those and I'll bring you any other business. We're recording this on the uh, the Tuesday and you, you, you pick it up on the Wednesday. And, and But uh, both of these things I'm going to bring you now happened on either today or tomorrow. So uh, uh, Galileo uh, found Jupiter's moons. I would today. go, Galileo! I know, please just make your eyes please. twitch, uh, so I the, won't. The great thing about Galileo, he had more music in his name than Queen have in their entire back catalogue, because his name, of course, was, full name... Galileo Galilei. Galileo Galilei. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that is a name, Galileo Galilei. Mr and Mrs Galilei, given of a son, called him Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> the singular uh, of a anyway, Galilei. he found the four moons on Jupiter today. Oh. Okay, good Looking for him. through, yeah, look, and he said, okay. And what did he do? He did the, did exactly the right thing. He gave them proper names. Oh, okay. He Ooh. got Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. Oh, I knew Ganymede was one of them. Uh, I'm annoyed but, at myself. And it's something I, I've um, uh, said many, many times. Uh, our own moon, 
can't be bothered to name it. It's just moon. Oh, it's just moon, isn't it? It's just the moon. It's, it's the most incurious thing that anyone's ever done. It's well, not. It's... We've got a moon in the sky called moon, as, B, as the B-52s once said. But you've got your Io, you've got your Europa, you've got your Ganymede, you've got Callisto. And yet, uh, we've got one up there. And what have we called it? The moon. Because we're so self-important, we think that's the that's one the by which all others are measured. The sun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the moon, the sun. Come on, we've been around a couple of thousand years now. Stick names on these things. See, sometimes we'll get the. Sh- I promise you, we've got so much to get on with, and you're so good. And we've got a welter, a welter of emails. You've been good mm. enough to get in touch with, and people on the phone. But I sometimes wonder when um, they go up the Orinoco and find tribes who have uh, who have been remote from yes. civilization, all that, and so remote they only know of. Um, three police academy films. They think that's all that was made. They've not been in contact since. And they find... Well, what do they call the moon? I wonder. They, they, oh, their, their guess yes. is as good as ours, and they, and, and they can brand it. Uh, but um, it's not much of a campaign, but getting the moon a name when you've got Io, Europa, Ganymede and Callisto out there. Uh, that, that, nice, that's something. Uh, anyway, so that, there's that. And um, uh, we gave Calais back. Well, we didn't. They took it back off us, the French, in 1558 today. A bit presumptuous of us to own it, really. Well, what would you rather own, Calais or Gibraltar? Oh, Calais much more useful. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we, Sorry, Gibraltar. I know. It's a terrible trip. You've ever been to Gibraltar? I've never been to Gibraltar. Yes. When we were very, very little, and I went up in a cable car, and my brother posed next to the monkeys. Oh, I, I've, I've never, um, uh, I've never been there. I've been past it. It was on a day trip. We were on holiday in. Um, not Fuengirola, but one of those. But is, is Marbella? And I'm not being. Um, we went for a day trip. I'm on not a coach. being. Um, uh, I'm trying to try to be genuinely facetious. I don't know. I'd, but I saw you turn into it, and it is a rock. Uh, is it just like a big cliff face, like Kaleli or wherever it is oh, in, um, in in Cornwall? I'm trying to remember. I was about seven or eight. And the monkeys are aggressive, I understand. Yes, and I think that was when everyone was allowed to, you know, walk up to them and give them food and all sorts. I think they're probably a bit protected now. No, they are. They, 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 they attack. I understand. Mm. We, we haven't got time to talk. Stop dragging me into talking about monkeys in Gibraltar there, perhaps. Uh, uh, the birthday of uh, Jerome Napoleon Bonaparte. Who was the last of the Bonapartes? Oh, so that isn't the no, Napoleon. no. The Bonap- the very last of the Bonaparte uh, uh, the descendants was Jerome, who quite rightly, Mister and Mrs. Bonaparte, given of a son called him Jerome Napoleon Bonaparte. I was going to say they no. bung that in there. And do you know where he died? He died in 1945. Wow, Jerome in Central Park. Right oh. in Central Park, he was walking his dog, who saw two other dogs and tried to go after them. He tripped over the lead and died, and that was the end of the Napoleon dynasty. Oh, well, that's ignominious. <laughs> but it's the much used exact word. But considering his reputation, it's a bit, it's a bit much to keep the name going through the family. You'd think you'd be a bit embarrassed, wouldn't you? I know people hyphenate their name because their dad owned the butchers. Not <laughs> letting that trademark go. <laughs> if, if you were one of the Napoleons, you'd be happy with... Pe- I mean, Pepper Napoleon is a brilliant name, by the way. <laughs> Pepper Napoleon. That's it from now on. Any email that come in for Louise, please put Louise Pepper Napoleon. <laughs> uh, uh, hyphenate it. And then I'm sitting there going, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. It's better than Napoleon or Pepper. Pe- or Pepper Bonaparte. No, 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 no. no. 
Napoleon. 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 All right, but here's here's where the show sort of starts mm. because uh, Alfred Vale. Okay. Born today. Who's Alfred Vale? Bless you, bless you, Pepper Napoleon. Uh, Alfred Vale uh, demonstrated uh, um, and invented a telegraph code he devised that just used dots and dashes as oh. letters. But where comes it's not Vale code then? Oh, what did Morse come along and Well, do, Morse then? came along, of course. Morse, Morse saw people, rubbed his hands together and thought, uh, out the way, sucker. Anyway, folks, as my assistant was just telling you, but, but Morse took it over, right? But Morse, the show gets... If you've never heard the show before, it really picks up in a minute. <laughs> uh, Morse... Uh, uh, was a very, very famous painter. He was a very wealthy and in-demand artist. Uh, Morse, Samuel Morse. Really? Is it Samuel Morse? Anyway, he, uh, yeah, Morse was a big, big painter. How about this? And I promise we'll, the show will get going in a minute. Let me just change the music, because this is uh, portentous, is what it is. This is, here we go. Morse was doing oh, his latest commission, and he was painting um, a very, very famous uh, person in Massachusetts, I think it was, when a letter was delivered to him. Hang on, the Mercury Theatre is now on air. He read it, and it said that the phrase was, your dear wife is convalescent. That's the phrase he read in it. He thought, OK, all right, Uh, do I go home? Uh, uh, Anyway, the next day, another letter arrived that said his wife had died. Oh! I know, I know. This is, uh, I think it's... um, When it was 1838 or something, no, maybe it wasn't. Anyway, whatever it was. Uh, So his wife died. And he travelled home to find the funeral had already been held and oh, he was too late. no! Morse, this extremely wealthy and well-to-do painter, decided there must be a quicker way of sending messages. Oh, wow! Yeah, how about that? That's how, that's how Morse code got going. Oh, well, then but, I think he deserves the credit. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Alfred Vale, of course, sucked a thoughtful tooth and said, <laughs> oh, OK, yeah, and, uh, anyway. But this leads us on to time itself, because Morse was absolutely fascinated by time after this. <laughs> And this leads us on to our first email, if you don't mind, Pep. OK, you go see? for it. Oh, no, wow, slick. Uh, if, you, if you've got... Um, you haven't got a computer with you, have you? No, I mean, not a computer. <laughs> computer. Right, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my pocket computer here. Two, two men in long brown uh, uh, workman's overalls now pushing a huge <laughs> grand piano-sized thing saying, you want this here computer? We've got to have it back in 20 minutes. Look on um, um, uh, uh, the, on the Wikipedia, right? Yes. Look on the Wikipedia. Uh, and look up the, uh, time, how it defines time. time. It's one of the words on slow days. I like to get dictionary and look up words that are very difficult to define, right? Here we go. So, was it say, just the opening? What time say? is the indefinite continued progress of existence and events that occur in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present to the future. You know what the key word there is? Apparently. The old Wikipedia, they, they, <laughs> they've looked into this and they're not convinced and apparently and irreversible <laughs> and indefinite. So there's time, right? And it's very difficult to um, uh, define. And then you've... You know the hardest word to define in the dictionary? I've told you before, did The hardest word, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you get a dictionary and it's one of the longest entries in the dictionary for a word because you can't define it and they try it and they wriggle around... Um, word in the sandwich is a good one to look up. It usually says uh, uh, two slices of bread with meat or other substance between. That cheers me up every time. Sandwich. Uh, but have a look uh, at the word so. S O. No, you don't. Oh, don't work. No, no. You, can, you can do if you it's want. Homework. <laughs> if you can do, if you, by all means, if you're listening to us what on a train or anything. Now, define what does so mean. 
So, define it. Thus? <laughs> Not necessarily. But also then, and no, also... But in itself, what does it mean? It, no, 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 I don't want, uh, you know, a thesaurus. It, what is, and you have a look uh, in a dictionary how hard it is. It goes on for pages. And you know the fellow was sitting there doing the compiling the dictionary, Mr Webster or someone, and just thought, oh, so, you all know what so is. <laughs> You've got to have it in there. Why? Everybody, it's so hard. It's so hard. The word so, S-O, is one of the hardest words to define. <laughs> I've got one of those wavy line mouths. I have got a wavy line mouth. But the point is, we can't sit around here talking about defining so. We're not getting down to business. Uh, Here we go. This is from our friend Ben in Japan, Peps. Oh, hello, Ben. Peppa Napoleon. (laughs) Uh, This is from our friend Ben in Japan. And this is coincidental, I I think. Uh, He says... um, it's not one of your carefully chosen subjects, but bear with me. I think this is up the audience's street. I live in Japan. Here in Japan, we recently had the shortest day of the year. He sent us on the 23rd of December. While reading an article in the paper, I found the most amazing information I think will appeal to everyone. Until 1873, when things began to get westernised here, the Japanese had their own kind of clocks. In these pre-electrical days, uh, being a nation of farmers, people rightly went to bed when it got dark and got active in the daylight. They had a rather hectic time system that was divided into six periods for daytime and six for nighttime. The interesting point is that these varied depending on the season. In the summer, they had longer days in, and they could be in different lengths. In tr- the lengths could vary tremendously depending on this season. In the summer, an hour could last a leisurely 145 minutes and the nighttime hours would be about 95 minutes. In the winter, an hour in daylight would be 100 minutes but an extra hour in bed would mean an extra 140 minutes. They had a very complicated system of mechanical clocks that required endlessly changing weights to facilitate the ever-changing lengths of days. Complicated enough? There's more. For superstitious reasons, the numbers 1, 2 and 3 were not used, so a clock which counted down went from 9 to 4. So after sleeping from 9 to 4, you would maybe work again from 9 to 4. Hello everyone from Ben in Japan. Now that... It's a fantastic email. How have we not come across that before? I have no idea. But the clocks had weights that you changed six times. So you know when you talk about we're (laughs) we're all dumbed down now because everything's delivered for us? I don't say that. I think we're smarter now than we've ever been. I have to say, though, if I had to work out how how long an hour was from one month to the next, I think I'd be clever. And don't use the numbers one, two or three. That's the the belter. (laughs) Because in in China, number four is desperately unlucky. Dear David Quo, who we're going to reintroduce to the gene pool one day. Hello, Candyman. <laughs> Hello, David. Uh, we'll, we'll get David on the... Mm. We'll, you know, everything's coming back. It's sausage sandwich game and everything, I promise. It's all going to happen again. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? Well, um, I think I'll finish off Christmas with a turkey email. Oh. Oh. Um, this is from Martin. Mm. There were only four of us for Christmas when I was growing up. Mum, Dad, me and Granny. And if we had a turkey, it would last for weeks. <laughs> one Christmas, Mum got the turkey as usual and Dad walked in with one he'd run in a, one in a raffle. Two turkeys. Oh. We didn't have much of a freezer, so Mum chopped it up and did the best she could. Christmas Eve came around. Dad came home with what was called a turkey, but we think was maybe an ostrich or a dinosaur. Oh. <laughs> it was massive. As an accountant, he had lots of small businesses as clients, and one butcher had the beast in the window and no one had bought it and gave it to Dad. Mum had no idea 
idea what to do or with either of our other turkeys. So she cooked the huge one and put an original small one in next door's freezer. Needless to say, we were still eating turkey at Easter. Extraordinary. Uh, so he the won. Three turkeys for four people. Wow, man, that is sounds like a turkey each. Gee, I don't know this. I'm, I'm going to find out um, whether um, any culture... Oh, not lot of people are not going to like it, but... Uh, can, do you think you can eat budgerigars? I'm sure it's been done. They eat sort of finches got, or sparrows, got, don't they, in the, in the Far East? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Chile. So what's the they, they, Their staple is, uh, oh, I said it again, but this is just, oh, just a fact. Hamsters, they do. Oh, guinea pigs, I thought. Guinea pigs, and, yeah, it's guinea pigs. Oh, I'm guinea sure p- someone's tried a budgie. Uh, uh, but the, Not my dear old twinkle. Only because I was regarding a budgerigar uh, the other day who wouldn't look directly at me, but just from the side like they do, like parrots do. From the edge of their eye, they look at you like that and they open the beak a little bit uh, and its little tiny tongue like a pignut. Uh, but I noticed that the chest was disproportionate and I thought, there's some good meat there. There's plenty <laughs> there. There's plenty there. Uh, and uh, But I, I don't want anyone to do it, of course, but I don't know if you can eat budgerigars. We'll find out. Why did you mention earlier, before we came on the air, as we may as well call it... Uh, oh, I did a you little... Said, no. You, you, no, no, you said, did I tell you what I found on the pavement? <laughs> yes, <laughs> No, you didn't. So, no, you didn't. Uh, what day was it? It was around... It, it was somewhere in the morass of the three weeks of not working mm-hmm. around Christmas. Uh, me and Wilbur were walking to the shops mm-hmm. and there, before me, on the pavement, with a couple of slugs... There we are. It's New Year's Eve. There we are, 10.58 in the morning. Just discarded on the pavement. <laughs> oh... Oh, it's, it, yes, I did see you. I didn't realise uh, quite the significance of it when I saw it in your timeline on Twitter. Uh, it's a copy of Max Biograve's 100 Golden Greats. And I did see it because you were trying to trick me into doing uh, a ballad of John and Yoko again. Uh, pass him. Which was not but, on there. Uh, but I have kept it. I want, I want us to try it on a bit of art and see if it's still playing. Did you pick it up, did you? Oh, took of course it on. I did. It's, it's a compilation. I did get looks at the supermarket. Uh, I've got a great... If, if once we bust through this uh, copyright thing and can play proper records. I mean, we are, and again, I know I keep saying, you know, jam tomorrow and all of that, but we are going to crowdfund um, It's Bernie by of Bernie course. Winters. So, so the people here over at Something Else, come on, Something Else, just tell us how much it is. Research it. You've told me how much... All right, we know we can't play Little Feet. You've told me how much that counts. And Steely Dan, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've not got that kind of income yet. But surely It's Bernie by Bernie Winters. Uh, and They're Desperate for the airplay. Uh, Max Bygrave did a song about decimalisation in 1971. Decimalisation. And it's a wonderful song. Because when we were just talking about time, Mm. I always find it like a feat of magical engineering when I say to my mum, oh, how much was that? And she'll go, well, it was two and six plus a a shilling. So then it was probably... It's magic to me. Is it? I was born. <laughs> I was born post decimalised. I, 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 it's absolutely wondrous when you when you all add up in old money. I, it, it's just magic. I, I heard. Uh, oops, all these emails. We, don't yeah, get sorry. we haven't seen each other for ages. Stop looking at us like that, people. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not nostalgic about old money. I can certainly do it. People think they can do it. Anyone of my age out there thinks they can still add up in it, but you can't. Because hmm. oh, I, I always can, come up but... with this, and I, even your mum will be put on the spot because it's been wiped from our, <laughs> wiped from our mind because uh, if you go into a pub, I always say this, and beer's ten pence a pint, old money, and you buy eight pints of it, how much do they ask for? People always go, oh, 80 pence, you never need 80 pence, so what is it? Um, well, 80, 80, 
eight, what they asked for is six and fourpence, right? That's what they'd ask for. Six shillings, is that? Six shillings and fourpence, right. yeah. Or six, six and eightpence. I do apologise. Six and eight. <laughs> you'd ask for six and eight. But it's very, very difficult. However, we ain't going to get anywhere today, are we? However, um, I read a very good article about ten years ago, possibly twelve in old money. Uh, I read an article that said, uh, even though people said it was complicated, the re- there was a reason that it was twelve pennies to a shilling, and because you can divide better, uh, oh, okay, it actually yeah. does. It actually works better. You, mm. it, it divides up at twenty shillings to the penny. It wasn't by accident, you know. Uh, but old money is 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 a, is a tremendous, um, uh, a tremendous old saw. Oh, I can, if I say to someone now, if you bought. Four bars of soap in 1970. Mm. And I know what those four bars of soap would be. Each of these bars of soap are one on threepence, except one of them is one in 11. And uh, you've got your Cussons, Imperial Leather. Right. You've got your Lux. You've got your Life Boy and your Wright's Coal Tar Soap. Those are the four horsemen mm. of the Suds. Those are the four ones. I don't know if any of those are still going. What is your preferred soap of choice? Uh, whatever's cheapest in the supermarket. Cheap soap? Don't do well, that. Well, not cheapest, but what's on offer? Liquid as well. I don't. Do, I don't I, deal no, with bar soap. No, I don't. Anyway, we're, again, we're, we're getting away from everything. Um, something from over there, perhaps. Well, we have John on the line. John. Hi, Tony, hey, old boy. Uh, how, John, are you? how old are you, John? Oh, um, I'm in your. I'm fifty-seven. Uh, 57. So you won't really remember decimalisation a lot. Oh, and I, I remember my pocket money going from three and sixpence to 17 and a half pence, so oh, I remember that. That sounds like a swizzle. Doesn't it? sound <laughs> like a swizzle. <laughs> you got done. I no. could have used this as an bargaining tool to, to, to go up. You got, but, you got, um, you got three I and... I what I took. You got three and six for pocket money. When I was, yeah... Three and six? Eight. Huge amount of money. Yeah, I know, I know. Should have invested it, shouldn't I? No, but, but why was it specifically three and six? Can I ask? This was... Um... I think it possibly went up six pence a year with my birthdays. I don't know. I'll have to ask Ooh. my uh, venerable parents. All right. Let, let, just one second, John. I'm now going to look at Peps like she's on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, oh, except man. she's not a millionaire. He gets six pence every birthday, right. right? So he's at three and six. How much will he get... On his next birthday, perhaps, perhaps, but he's got three and six. Is it sixpence every birthday? How shilling much? Shilling is five. No, ten. <laughs> ten new pence, isn't John, it? Or John, is it five? Oh, no. Sorry, no coughing, Sorry, John, because we've been on this on this show. Where's the crown and a florin coming in? Well, I don't worry about crowns and florins. They take care of themselves. We're we'll on a tosha rune in a so minute. So he's got three and six, and you've added another six pence. Yeah. But I know it goes in 12s. Yeah. So is he getting four shillings? You're absolutely right. Oh, You're absolutely you. right. Perhaps you see how easy it was? Oh, you see man. how easy it was? John, why are you tugging our coat today? What's the story? Um, well, I've got a, a, a... I'm not sure what category it would come under, oh. but it sounds like a decent story enough. Um, it's a Peter O'Toole um, anecdote. Go on. From back in the day. Um, so, OK, so I was back home in London from college in about no, probably 84 or 85 mm-hmm. um, with my folks. And... Um, I was trying to play as many games of club cricket as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of cricket in those days. And um, one of my relatively local clubs, Bronsbury, sort of in Hampstead, uh-huh. was one team I played for. Um, and I had a one, very most wonderful old boy, I'm not sure whether he's still alive, called Ian Miller. Mm-hmm. I'm sure listeners might phone in about that. Who would put out teams all through the summer. And he, I called him up offering my services. Um, he had actually previously really endeared himself to us when um, I took a, a Colts team, an under-15 team, down to play Bronsbury the previous four or five 
five years ago, mm-hmm. and two of, two of my less than uh, respectful 15-year-old lads had a, had a bit of a bit of a scrap on the sideline while waiting to bat, and he'd said, "Oh no, not at Bronsbury," oh, in a very no, prim and proper way. But he was a lovely chap. Anyway, he was. Um, it was clearly just, 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 just when you say your sons had a scrap on the sidelines, uh, uh, were they wearing pads at the time? They were. They were. No, it was about who would bat first. But, this uh, was but, but, fairly but, but, common for our school. Our state but were they school padded up? Because it, it, I think I immediately started thinking of the fight, and you wouldn't mind someone kicking your shins if you was wearing the pads. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd, in fact, you'd invite but them. But it on. would impede. It was a bit of a scuffle. It was yeah. a bit of head scuffle. <laughs> no, it was just not oh. what happened at Bronsbury. So, and that's okay. what Ian was right. alluding to. But mm. anyway, he he was a lo- lovely chap, and he. Um, I gave him a ring and said, oh, any games going in? He said, oh, there's a midweek game against the touring team. So I turned up about 10 o'clock um, for an 11 o'clock start and went, sat down in the home changing rooms, putting my bag down on the ground mm. and generally sort of looking around at my fellow players. And in the corner, sort of literally he was stroking his very yellowed pads was, was no less than Peter O'Toole. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, and it turns out he's been there, he was a member there for 20 years and, and finally worked with the Colts and was just like fantastic local chap, local celebrity who just came down and played cricket. Anyway, so... Excellent. So, it, so this is my sort of brush with a celebrity. Yeah. Um, my only sort of previous cricketing brush with celebrity was um, about five, six years before when I played against a team called The Stage, which was kind of the motley crew of uh, thespians and you know and local actors. Huh. And I bowled at a chap called Jeffrey Beavers, uh-huh. who doesn't sound very interesting, but it, of course, as everyone knows, he was the third actor to play the master in uh, the post <laughs> uh, Pertwee Doctor Who. So, of course, everyone I said it would always be much cooler if it had been Roger Delgado. He was the original master, as we all know in our, our uh, area. I, I, sadly I, I, not. I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't look down my lawn yet at Doctor Who fans. Let me put that another way. I look down my lawn yet at Doctor <laughs> Who fans, but I do know uh, Delgado. Roger Delgado, uh, great an, name and a great but, oh, actor, did, anyway. did you um, exchange any words with O'Toole? Well, this is it. This is this. Let me. Oh, yeah. Ah. The, the, oh, this is, gets better because um, <laughs> the, the rest of the team batted. We batted first, and Ian decided that Peter should open the batting. Probably, you know, respectful for the the sort of um, his it's service. It's, it's, for the it's, club. it's Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's Peter O'Toole, and and so he opened, and he and I was. He said, "Offer me number three because I was the guest player." And he said, uh, "You know." Uh, so the other opener was out fairly quickly, mm. and I went to the wicket. Now Peter met me halfway from the ground. So basically, I was walking out and he walked towards me, mm-hmm. welcomed me to the crease, literally by the pavilion. So this is very unusual, very quaint, and I thought, lovely. Mm-hmm. So he went back and batted. I was at the non-striker's end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bowler came on, who was at a sort of medium pace, not a bad bowler, mm-hmm. bowled a couple of balls, the uh, um, piece played, and then um, he bowled this very beautiful ball, really good delivery, that bounced, moved, and brushed past something near Peter's bat. But even before sort of any appeal went up, Peter strode down the wicket with a huge grin, took off his gloves, walked to the bowler, shook his hand and said, very well bowled, so that was a fantastic delivery. Then putting his gloves back on, he walked back to the crease and carried on batting. Did he? That's that. <laughs> See that? And that. nobody, nobody <coughs> knew what had happened, whether he was out or not, no. but he just carried on batting and nobody had any inclination to that, say otherwise. That is bespoke. That is alarm. That is style. That, my friend, uh, that's exactly what you should fantastic. do. Fantastic. Took off his gloves, well bowled, brilliantly bowled, and then walked However, back and However, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I uh, um, met Bruni did TFI Friday. We spent some time with Peter O'Toole. It's in one mm. of the books. Uh, and he, he, uh, I don't think I told you before, whatever story you tell, and I can tell stories, John. I can tell, you know, over the years, hopefully we all meet here. Uh, yes. There's very few I haven't, but you don't tell stories in the, in the uh, presence of Peter O'Toole. <laughs> I remember I was reading a book about Lenny Bruce at the time. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, he's, uh, he came into Chris Evans' front room when he's been over in Notting Hill. And he came down, we saw him emerge down this stairway into a basement. First the shoes, then the trousers, and he came down with the long crombie overcoat over his shoulders. Uh, and he walked, made such an entrance, and he came downstairs. And he said, what are you reading? I said, a book about Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce? And I said, absolutely. I said I'm a massive fan of Lenny Bruce. Started going on about Lenny Bruce. I said, in fact, in Florida, I picked up Lenny Bruce's autograph uh, when he had done a doodle of the American flag, and Lenny Bruce wrote next to it, uh, ha-ha, Clark Gable found a live and well in Argentina. And he misses out the end, so it says Argentia, Lenny Bruce. And very few Lenny Bruce. And I described this thing. I said, in a shop where they was asking, you know, 10 million for the master from Doctor Who's <laughs> autograph, Lenny Bruce, was, Lenny Bruce was $250. I said, what a scoop. I said, and I've got that. I've got Lenny Bruce's autograph on the wall. And Peter O'Toole let me finish. I mean, I was in the neck with Lenny Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and he still, apparently they were both in prison. And I thought, why am I trying to tell this? <laughs> Yeah. Any, anything you say. He, he went on <laughs> to say, um, uh, I, I was talking about something else a day later, about, I think, um, uh, Anastasia or something. I can't remember we were talking about. I think the film Anastasia was out. Or, and he let me finish some long story about I'd met an ex-old Russian prince. And then he said, uh, I uh, was in a bar one night with uh, Prince Yusupov who shot um, Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, he really, really, while he was filming over in uh, in Russia. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. And so anyway, John, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and you are in the presence, of course, of, of uh, Louise Napoleon Pepper. <laughs> so there we, we, you'll hear that when it comes around to it. What you got there, Peps? Um, this is born in the same room. So we talked about the fact that uh, Trevor Brooking's son was born at the same time as me, on the same ward as me. Yes, he was. Yes. And this is from AD. Well, my brother was born in the same small ward where either Ian St John's wife or sister also gave birth. Tremendous. And subsequently, my mum and her became friends. Mm. Roll on 15 to 20 years, I'm at Fir Park watching Motherwell when St John was the manager. I'd paid my extra 20p and and upgraded into the enclosure next to the dugout. I was about 12 or 13. St John never stopped. He was always a St John, not a St John, wasn't he? No, it's St John. St John John never stopped swearing. (laughs) I thought it was funny, but when I went home and told my mum, she went mad. She called St John's wife or sister or whoever was her friend and demanded to speak to him about his bad language in front of children. Got through and gave him a thorough dressing down. I was so embarrassed in case he spotted me next well, time. Well, they, 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 this... Uh, I do another podcast with uh, Gary Lineker, you may be mm. aware of that, and with the, but the actual football ones we get in here are actually <laughs> better than the ones we get over here. Uh, but no, t- not only telling off managers, sitting behind uh, relatives oh. of footballers, uh, a friend of mine was sitting behind, I think it was Trevor Brooking's sister-in-law. <laughs> How this was identified, I don't know, but somebody said, the woman in front of you, Trevor, his sister-in-law. And he leant round to have a look at Trevor Brooking's sister-in-law. And the ash fell off the cigarette he was smoking, my mate, John. You could smoke into a standard. And it fell onto the collar of her fur <gasps> coat. Oh, no. Yeah, and it started smouldering away. Uh, and he was going... <laughs> But I said, no, that's making it burn more. Stop it. <laughs> Starting the conflagration here. And he, uh, but it went out. But when she got home, she must have took her coat off oh. and thought, and now I'm confessing that she'll probably come after us. I don't know how we've drifted into that. Before we go any further, by the way, mm. uh, apropos of what Peps was saying, Napoleon Pepper was saying, uh, <laughs> things you've found on the pavement. I'd oh, love yeah. to look. What have you seen lying, just lying there on the pavement? There's a phone number if you ever want to get in touch. If you wish to telephone the show, please call the exchange on this number. Thank you. 
725-05686, my dear. Old low to Seven two five oh five six eight six. Give us a call. Oh, calls Wisby, the genius of Wisby there. Um, and 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 if when this is finished, I don't often do begging bowls because I always think it, it sounds desperate when you say, "Please like us at the end." But they've <laughs> asked us to do it because that's what it gets visibility. Mm, you, yes, please. Even if you've heard it, you don't have to. Like, how, how would we know? Subscribe and review. And then you just say, that. "Yeah, I like that." And it's not to. Ease our huge egos. Uh, to ease our huge egos. How about this? This is from um, Darren Wickford. Going through the wrong door, Peps. I went to a I'm sorry I haven't a clue show at the Cliffs Pavilion in South End. At the interval, the audience somehow followed me and I went through the wrong door. They all followed me through the wrong door. Barry Cryer thought he could have a quiet fag at the back of the theatre, <laughs> but ended up having loads of selfies with the audience who came through with me because it was the fire exit and not the door to the bar. Televolts would... Ah, he knows the way. <laughs> that is the... He mentality. knows the quick route to the bar, <laughs> that man. You just go for a fire door and the audience all follow you and there's poor old Barry Cryer having a quick cough and a drag. <laughs> they all went with him. Thank you very much indeed, Darren. What you got there, Peps? Surprising things you see in the middle of nowhere. This is from Tom in Kent. Mm-hmm. On a road trip in the US in 2015, we made a random coffee stop in a small town in Colorado in the middle of nowhere. It happened to be the town where, oh, how appropriate, the Grammy Awards are made in a local workshop. Were they this week? Was it the Grammys, one of them? No, that was the um, the Golden Globes. Oh, Golden Globes, yes, that was it, and it was a G. Uh, A local old elderly man we got chatting to told us about it. Tell John that Dan sent you over, he said. You might get a photograph with an actual Grammy. Long story short, we rocked up two blocks away and spent an hour with John in his workshop talking about the Grammys, how they're made and all his stories. (laughs) A wonderful gentleman and, and a fantastic experience in the middle of nowhere and this is my no did you know they're made with an alloy called grammium no, they're not. The Grammys were <laughs> for Grammy. That's what I know at the start of that was. It's not Frankie Howard. I've got to stop that. I, I occasionally hear myself. Grammys are made with no. Grammy. It's <laughs> not Frankie Howard. Uh, well, that, that's tremendous. And, and, and against that, uh, something I was going to leave to the next show, but I'm not. I'm going to do, do it now. <laughs> I'm fighting back the man. No, I'm not. I'm going to do it now. Uh, and this this is a tremendous story. I think you'll like this. It's a, uh, let's go back in time. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's a good one. Have you ever been regressed? No. I used to do it on the radio quite a lot. <laughs> I did. Whoever came in as a guest, I'd ask them to shut their. No, all right, let's do it. Okay. Um, this isn't what I was going to do. This isn't what I was going to do. But uh, uh, okay, here we go. Shut your eyes. Now you've got to be in the zone. You can't do it. You should be doing a weird hula dance like uh, they used okay. to do in Popeye when people used to I've been hypnotised, but I've not Have you? Open your eyes again. You've been hypnotised? Mm. When? Hypnotherapy I had. What for? Panic attacks. Boring. Did you really? Yes. And did it work? It did. It was very strange because it's like that feeling when you're just nodding off and your thoughts are going a bit weird, but you're still conscious that you're not quite asleep. That's how I describe I don't know. I cannot understand. And the lady that did it... The first time I did it, I, I, I really wasn't... 
going under and I was starting no. to think about what to cook for dinner and she said, you're no. really not paying attention to this. But she said, you can't hypnotise somebody who doesn't want to. You have That's to want to. She said, you know, when you see people clocking yeah, up that, the that, chicken and all that of that, like, they're yeah. engaged in it and they want to be doing it, was what she said. If you don't want to do it, it won't happen. You've just got so to it's auto suggestion. Yeah, you, 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 you let go and go with it. See, yeah, I, got, I, I got into a... Uh, we returned to the show in stand-up. But we, we, we I did do the whole arm up to the ceiling thing and stuff. What do you mean, the whole arm up to the ceiling Well, because I was a bit cynical about it, and she sort of said, oh, your arm's getting lighter and lighter and lighter oh, and lighter. Whoa, there no. it is, yeah. Imagine there's a balloon around your wrist. Whoop, up it But goes. you can do that... Um... And now they're piling up, the, like, like airplanes trying to land, or the subjects <laughs> and thoughts. Now, uh, when it was a school, uh, we should uh, never uh, have a break again. And before Nintendo, before Nintendo, anyone who wants to get in touch, and people think I'm pulling this out of the air. Uh, um, you had to make your own in, in entertainment, of course. Uh, so uh, at school, there used to be physical things you could do. Oh! You'd lean against a wall for ages with one arm, really hard, pushing against it, and for, do that for about a minute, and then put your arm by your side, and it would float up yes! in the air. <laughs> and, and lifting people with only one, two yes, fingers. two fingers. Not I've never right known, now, I've, no, and I've, then light as air, light I've, as a feather. I've never seen that work. But, oh, well, we but there was another that. thing. You'd form, you'd put all your fingers together and form like a goal mouth with your thumb sticking oh, down. Oh, I didn't do this one. Oh, I can do this with you now. OK. It, it, it makes a false feel between your hands. Come round here, let's do this. And I know this isn't strictly uh, uh, an oral experience, uh, but this, this this is something. And, and if you're with whoever you are, let, let's bring Britain together. If you're sitting next to somebody on the train now, do this. Get, get them to form their hands, of push all their fingers together and leave their thumbs sticking down like a gold mouth. You don't have to do this. Uh, I'll do that, but you're part in this. And here we go. Hang on, Phil's coming in here. Uh, Phil, what's this? Oh, you're filming it, are you? OK. You see, somehow this takes away the immediacy of it. But here we go. Now, people may remember this from school. Now, what you've got to do, Peps, is put your hands dead straight like that. That's it. And push as hard as you can against my thumbs. As hard as you keep going. You've got to do this for 30 seconds. All your strength. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, we're going all the way to 30, listeners. <laughs> 11, 12. Push harder. 13, 14, 15. 16, 17, 18, harder pet, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Now, keep your hands like that. Put your thumbs level with your fingers. Now, just slowly bring your hands together. You should feel a false feel between them. Is it there? Well, it's like magnet. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Oh, what is that? that? You create. Oh, I was expecting to go. Whee! No, no, no. You try and bring no. your hands together, and there's a force between them. Now, that, that is you this didn't, what we should have done on our Christmas special. No, I didn't. I, I've not done that for 50 years. Oh, that was. But that it came back to me there, and uh, and it's isn't it a strange feeling? Oh, I like what that. is that? What is that though? I don't know. It's like putting two mirrors together. There's something. There's somebody on the phone. Yes, now, we've got Matt. Before that, we were going to mention something else. And before that, we were going to mention something else. Uh, anyway, uh, here's Matt. Is it Matt? Matt! Hi, Matt. Thank you for being there. Matt, have you ever been hypnotised? No. Well, no. not that I know of, anyway. No. Ah, that's, that's very key, that is. It is. Uh, what are you tugging our coat for there, Matt? Um, well, you were talking about 
um, unwanted raffle prizes. Oh, any prize. Ooh, yes, a prize you yes, get yes. you don't want. Before you carry on there, mate, I'll just bring you, a, for yep. instance, an example of... Uh, we had actually. When oh, I, said, I had a good one of that. I said it on Twitter. I mean, uh, David Quantic, the writer, he won 20 Bences and Hedges in a raffle, don't smoke. <laughs> uh, Simon Blackwell, the, the writer, uh, he wanted a drum kit and entered a competition but got a John Mayall album that he hated. Uh, is that? And some are called At Sick Records. Um, they uh, were in a pub and they won a huge tray of meat and black puddings and then got into an argument about whether black pudding is a meat. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't want any of those. Uh, what did you win that you didn't want? Um, well, it was uh, it was early 2000s. Um, <laughs> nobody where I worked had bothered to book a Christmas do, uh, and it was all very last minute. And one of the guys was in the TA, and he said, "Well, I might be able to get the officers' mess at the barracks." <sighs> so we all piled in to the officers' mess, and it didn't sort of the evening didn't start well because <laughs> to make it feel Christmassy. Uh, obviously, the officers' mess is like a very, very posh function room mm. with a little sort of dance floor in the middle and a bar and lots of nice seats around the edge. Mm. And to make it Christmassy, the place had just been draped in white camouflage net. <laughs> so, the, Rubbish the decorations. The values were pretty low. Um, <laughs> they, they put some tea lights on the tables mm. next to the little arrangements, and two of those had caught fire. Oh, so man, the wedding evening wasn't great. The, yeah. the DJ um, had some speakers and a CD player and he put on like now that's what I call music the latest one and then he went to the bar <laughs> this is and then the, most, the and basic functioning and just the CD when it stopped yeah <laughs> it, was, it was a really bad evening but the, tri- the, the table with all the raffle prizes on yeah. was amazing I mean there were some really top notch things um, like weekends in health spas bottles of champagne of course Electronic gadgets, but the thing I had my eye on was the, the big prize that was at the back, that was sort of the centerpiece, which was a big Yamaha electronic keyboard, uh-huh. and, and it was worth a couple of hundred quid. And I thought this is this is good. I'll, I'll stay at least until because I don't drink. So to sit there and take um, advantage of a very cheap bar meant nothing to me. So <laughs> I thought I'll stay for the raffle, and then we'll see what happens. And so this evening dragged by, and eventually I said, right, now it's time to draw the raffle, and we'll start, and we'll start with, you know, let's get the first name out of the hat. And the first name out of the hat, it's Matt. And I thought, my God, this is absolutely great. Okay, come on. so far. And I literally jumped out of my seat, punched the air, and then started striding towards the stage, (laughs) holding Mm -hmm. my ticket. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of Willy Wonka's mm-hmm. <laughs> And then as I got halfway there, the guy on the microphone said, and now let's draw the ticket to see which prize you've won. Oh, and I thought, oh, what? Man. Hang on, that's not how it's supposed to work. I'm, I'm the first one out. I should get the pin. <laughs> so I, I ended up um, walking away from the stage, clutching my packet of bird's trifle. Did you? No! <laughs> oh, who would put that into, who would put that into a raffle anyway? Am I lucky to get it? Some people say, hang on, oh, uh, uh, a weekend at a health spa fades. You've always got a good trifle in the cupboard if you... Uh, it was a packet of bird's trifle. Yeah, it, it, it seemed to be, you know, it, it, it turned the raffle into some sort of raffle slash harvest festival hybrid. Wow. It was just awful. And, and do, you, do you don't remember the second prize being drawn at? The next retro went up one... No, I, I know. I, as soon as I just clutched it and walked straight yeah. out yeah. on the way out of the door, I saw a bin and that's where the trifle ended up. Oh, so, um, and, and then you, as you left, you heard, right, John, would you come up here? Would you like to pick a prize. Oh, you've won a solid gold house. 
Oh, man, well, bless you. Thank you very much indeed, Matt. Uh, that's no Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if ever you get in touch with the, your emails and stuff, you can put the... If you put a phone number on it, uh, Phil Wilding, who's producing the show, will uh, call, you, call you if you can do it in the daytime. We record this about uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, so you'll be at work and so you can goof off and, and that's it, and you call us. What you got there, Peps? Well, we're going to ca- carry on the same theme. This is Chris from Hollywood, brackets, not that one. It's by Solihull. <laughs> We went to our children's school fate around 10 years ago and, as you do, dutifully bought a strip of raffle tickets and mostly forgot about them. When the time came to draw the winners, we split up the strip and gave one each to the kids for the sake of it. And my seven-year-old son's number came up. Lucky him! Now, this was a prize table strictly numbered and he had no choice in his prize. Amidst the bottles of wine and boxes of chocolates, they picked up his prize and he came walking back to us with a very confused look on his face and a jumbo pack of size 6 Nappies. Oh, that, that, see, that makes you think why they're in there in the first place. But also, Nobody can, uh, if you're the, the organiser of that, a little seven-year-old boy walks up with a ticket, you go, oh, it should be that, but have this box of milk uh, tray did instead. You, did you, were you much of a funfair uh, aficionado? Did you, do you like funfairs? I, yes, not the scary rides. No, no, I'm talking about um, the stalls. At, at, at oh, the yeah, fair. yeah, spot I, the rat and I, guess the sweets. Yeah, and, uh, um, my favourite, and I remember spending, trying to win some, Thing. See, this is, is off. I'm just trying to justify why I'm talking about it. It doesn't matter, does it? Uh, but I remember trying to win for my mum a chalk poodle, a poodle in chalk for a mantelpiece. Because I'm, oh, okay. I'm, only, I'm, I'm only about, you know. Mm. 42. No, I'm only, I was only about nine, and I saw this uh, chalk poodle, and I thought my mum would like that, and I had about five bob, five, five shillings, right, okay. which is a huge amount of our yes. affair, massive amount of our affair, and I spent most of it trying to win uh, this uh, little chalk poodle. And what you had to do, there used to be lots of straws hanging by strings. Oh, yes, I And they gave you a corkscrew. Oh, no. Uh, no, uh, uh, well, no uh, sort of be a meat skewer. You've had oh, a meat no, skewer. I'm thinking of the pull the long one out. Or yeah, yeah. No, and you get a meat skewer. And this is why Disney World is great, but they don't have one of these mm. stores. And you had a straw, and in it was a raffle ticket. Yeah. Scrunched up. And you could pick any straw, and you'd get your meat skewer, and you'd stick it oh, up the straw. Oh, they've got rid of the meat skewer by my Yeah, well, they don't yeah. give, you know, eight-year-olds <laughs> meat skewers to... Anyway, but, and you push it up the straw... And out would come the raffle ticket, and you open it up, and it would correspond to a prize or not, oh, no. or not. So were you arms laden with the wrong prizes? No, no, you didn't always get a prize. It's oh, like right. the ducks, you know, no, people yeah, think yeah. it's a prize every time. No, it's not as simple as that. You've got to be really good at the ducks to know, and I always knew. But anyway, I went and I spent my whole five bob oh. trying to get it, and I never once, and oh. it was only like thruppence, three pence, <laughs> thruppence, so you four for a shilling. Might have been six for a shilling and thruppence. And I... And the bloke on the stall, as the sun went down over Blackheath Fair, <laughs> said, no luck, boy, I didn't win a single thing. Oh. And he, he turned around and said, what was you trying to win? And I said that, and I pointed at the thing. He went, go on, you can have it. But he gave me a ceramic angelfish. And I was too intimidated to say, no, the thing next to it, I was trying to... <laughs> so I went home with this... And this is a memory again, I haven't ever... Don't you should. I went home with this highly coloured, some might say gaudy, uh, bauble, this is, this is uh, just to put on the side, this ornament of an angelfish. And I often think my life might have been different if I'd have <laughs> won that uh, a little... Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, David, I, I, I was trying to regress uh, Peps earlier. Oh, yeah, and I regressed, that far. And I regressed myself. What you got there, Peps? Well, our last one, because I think uh, Phil wants us to wrap it up, but this is... <laughs> Phil being the collective name of the audience. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is Callan Altrincham. Yeah. Um, we're on to our rich theme of the only autograph. Oh, I've got. got so many of those. Believe yeah. me, your, your emails don't disappear. Oh, we, no, no, we've no. We've got them all here and we will get round to them. So, uh, Cal on. sent this in, in early December. I visited Sheffield in 1996 with a couple of friends to see a mate's brother at university. We're having a few drinks in a city centre pub when I spotted a throng centred around none other than Brian Glover. Oh. Looking exactly as you'd imagine. Big, bald and brutal. Holding court with a group of people and a very attractive woman by his side. We scrabbled through our pockets to find something to be signed and found an old taxi cab card. I'd just started a career in teaching and I used the the fact that Brian used to be a teacher as a connection Mm -hmm. to go and talk to him and he happily gave it to me. Sorry. (coughs) She's gone. <laughs> Sorry, it's the emotion. I said, you're brilliant in cares, but I bet everyone comes and talks to you about that. But will many talk to you about Alien 3? Oh. He looked at me carefully and said, let me tell you something, lad. Kez was a bit of bloody magic and Alien 3 was a bit of bloody rubbish, but it didn't half, <laughs> but it didn't half pay the rent and went off into his burst of laughter exactly as he would. As with all these situations, it became obvious our conversation had ended. Brackets, he turned his back on me and I slunk back to my table of pals. I went to the bar later that evening to get a round of drinks and while I was there, the barman called time. I hadn't spotted it was 11. Can't we get a final drink, I said. Sorry, mate, last order's done, said the barman. Barry, Barry, get the lad a drink, shouted Brian Glover a few steps away. And then the barman duly complied with instructions from Brian Glover and served me after Now, that's a, a tremendous story. Now, of course, all I'm going to say here is I knew Brian Glover quite well. Oh, uh, OK. Uh, we, Jeff Pope and I, one of the first mm. things we wrote together, we wrote a thing called P.E., which was going to be based on his character in Kes, and we met him at the Chelsea Arts okay. Club. I knew him before that, anyway. Uh, I know we've got to finish. Um, and we met Brian there, and he, we said we want to explore that character because it's now, it was then, like... 20-odd years since Please Sir, and we want where well, that was a young blade amongst all the old dinosaurs at school. We want this old dinosaur. I mean, it, it went really right to the last stages with ITV. Oh. And then they put Coronation Street on for an extra night where we was going to go, <laughs> and it never happened. But I, uh, I knew him quite well, Brian. Do you think I'm too old, lad? Do you think I'm too old, he said. Oh. But he, he certainly wasn't. And we paid tribute to him in Cradle to Grave, the series based on my books, by having Mr Glover, who was the sports oh. teacher, playing the... Oh, and, and, yeah, he's Mr Glover, the sports teacher. But um, uh, And, of course, you mentioned the pub there, one of most, my favourite lines, or one of the most iconic, as they say, lines from any film delivered by Brian Glover in American Werewolf in London, where he's <laughs> playing dominoes with Rick Mayle in his first screen role, and he, stay off the moors, lads, and beware the moon. That's what he says. Well, there, yeah, I know, we're finished, we're done. We're just trying to give and give. Well, there it is. Uh, I, I think that was, that was, a, that was pretty um, spectacular, mm. one way or the other. It seemed to have worked. So thank you very much indeed to Louise Napoleon Pepper on the other <laughs> side of the table. Phil Wilding and Josh through the glass and everybody here at something else. Uh, we'll finish as usual with a Wisby. Good morning everybody, it's the Danny Baker Show Radiating out across the airwaves Come the sunshine or the rain Come aboard the Danny train We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go Come and join a happy session with Tata to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Always do, Wisby, so thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to like uh, afterwards because uh, that makes our visibility more mm. online. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll get round to all the other emails. Join us again next time, do, because as always, it's chiefly yourselves. 
the fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the three Take it away, Danny! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.